Today's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me is sponsored by FilmCred. Providing new film critics and writers in-depth feedback on their writing, FilmCred is made up of a community of collaborators dedicated to publishing insightful reviews, interviews, video essays, and coverage of film festivals. Visit film-cred.com to learn more. I'm Minna Stein. And I am Lauren Lloyd, and you are listening to the movies that made her, but not me. The podcast where we discuss classic films from different generational perspectives. And the classic film we are discussing today is the 2022 feature film, The Fablemans. Sammy, we're going to use Daddy's camera to film it. Only crash the train once, okay? Then after we get the film developed, you can watch it crash over and over till it's not so scary anymore. And your real train won't ever get broken. One more thing, Dolly. Let's not tell your father. It'll be our secret movie, just yours and mine. Let's set the scene. The movie is The Fablements. Directed by Steven Spielberg, this movie is a fictionalized look back on Spielberg's own life. Steven Spielberg has rewritten himself as Sammy Fableman, who dreams of being a filmmaker one day. As his parents navigate a bumpy marriage ending in divorce, Sammy experiments with filmmaking and storytelling as an escape. The year is 2022. As moviegoers grab their popcorn and get settled into their movie theater seats to watch The Fablemans, COVID-19 restrictions ease up. Inflation rises, Russia invades Ukraine, and the Winter Olympics are held in Beijing. The Fablemans was my personal favorite movie of 2022, but Lauren, you felt differently about it. So, Lauren, tell me about the first time you saw The Fablemans. The first time that I saw The Fablemans um, was uh, as soon as it came out. Um, Because, you know, there was such people talk so highly of it and I was kind of excited to see a nice drama um, that, that was kind of old school um, but I I could not I have to say I went in uh, I'm a fan of Spielberg a big fan how could I not be shaped cinema as we know it but I think that I like him as a director when he's directing kind of um, science fiction or science fact or heightened reality or magical realism when he and I and his stuff is is fantastical and it's filled with Spielbergian moments of wonderment mm-hmm. um, but when he does straight drama I I feel like he telegraphs everything we know it's coming it's I feel like it's it's very uh, director the, the style over substance I can not connect to any of his dramas and so I went in thinking yeah I'm going to connect to this one but I didn't I found it you know uninteresting both times because I rewatched it hoping I was Mm. maybe in a bad mood the first time (laughs) well I mean yeah well that's very interesting because I feel the exact opposite I loved it I thought it was really successful it really struck a chord with me I thought Mm -hmm. that it was beautifully made I thought that it was a 
beautiful story about people who love making art and the community of making art and the messaging of making art and I really connected with it but I'm I'm glad that you started this discussion this way because I think that probably the first thing that we should talk about is our um, opinions or maybe expectations that we went into the movie with because okay. of who Steven Spielberg is and knowing this movie is about his life. And so I'm just wondering, like, you said that you like his movies um, when he's doing science fiction, but mm-hmm. you don't like his dramas. So I'm interested in talking about that more. Like, you didn't like Schindler's List or The Color Purple, or you just didn't like I liked Schindler's movie. List. I thought that was magnificent. Color Purple, no. I felt like it was almost like a silly movie with pratfalls. It, I just mm. felt it was... I, I couldn't connect to it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't um, I couldn't emotionally connect to it. That's where I have trouble. But, you know, I, I never thought, Nina, of um, the idea that um, the art community and how I, I, I couldn't even reach that part of the movie because I was so like, oh, my God, this is, you know, there was like after the moment when they when they cut her nail with that weird blocking and she's like a clown and ends up in between those the two men. I thought, what this is like. This is Cartoonsville. I just, <laughs> I, yeah, um, yes, yes. But I did like um, Schindler's List. Yes, I did very much. So, did you go into the movie with expectations of? I guess I'm wondering what expectations did you go into the movie with? Because I went in with zero expectations. I'll tell the story mm-hmm. about how I saw it. So, I really wanted to go see Bones and All, which is like oh, yes. a love story about cannibals. And yeah, I saw that. Um, uh-huh. everybody was like, no, we should go see The Fablemans. The Fablemans is so beautiful. It's so good. Minutes right up your alley. It's about movies. And I was like, it looks terrible. I saw the trailer. <laughs> it looks like trash. I don't want to see oh, it. It looks like trash. I thought the trailer I thought the trailer made the movie look really bad. So I was not excited to see it. I didn't think it looked good. I was like blah blah what blah. Bad. Bad how? How did it how did the trailer how, bad how? I thought based on the trailer that it was going uh-huh. to be a very preachy like Aaron Sorkin style movie (laughs) with like long monologues about art making from and I want to be on record I love Spielberg huge Mm -hmm. fan but I was Mm -hmm. like ugh, a famous director making a movie about how he makes movies and how he loves movies like this is going to be so preachy it's going to be so ego-centered like this is going to be terrible i have no interest in this and i wanted to see bones and all instead so we go see bones and all i'm scared in the first five minutes of the movie yes we leave (laughs) oh you did i we walked out of the theater it was the first movie i ever walked out of i was too scared really yes maybe when she bites the finger of the friend Yes, it was just the whole thing was so crunchy and just horrible. It was so scary. So we leave the theater. We go see The Fablemans instead. And I absolutely was just so entranced by it. I loved it. I was so moved by it. I was so pleasantly surprised. I remember saying during the movie when it was towards the end, I wish this was longer. I wish there was more. I wish I could keep watching this story because I was so... 
I just really, really fell in love with it. And I think it made me appreciate Spielberg even more as a director because I love the movie Jaws. And The Fablemans is so different than Jaws, you know? It is. It is. Yes. I really like when Spielberg makes movies about family and community, I'm noticing, because I guess then another question that I have for you are what are your feelings about E.T., which is very similar, not about movie making, but about family and what makes a family and family drama and your identity being shifted and feeling like an other because of what's going on in your family. So how what were your feelings about that movie and how did you think E.T. was different or similar to this one? Um... I felt, and Close Encounters, too, that was about a family kind of like breaking up in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I believed all of them, and I liked all of them. Um, I believed in uh, what I was seeing. Um, It was also about about a huge idea, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to something kind of intimate. It was about, you know little well you know what it's about (laughs) everybody in the world knows what it's about Mm -hmm. um so yeah yes but again to me that's like magical realism right yeah so i don't know i thought it was it was so different than what i expected and i went in with very negative (laughs) expectations Mm -hmm. um whereas i don't know did you go in with positive expectations did you think you were gonna love it well, I went into I went into the movie theater, so that in itself, because you know, no one goes to the movie. I I went to the movies to see it, so I was excited to see it. You know, and mm-hmm. and I don't go in thinking like oh, this is going to be a piece of shit. I mean, like sometimes I'll go to see a Baz Luhrmann movie and think I might get you know like whoa, all that movement right. could make me nauseous. But <clears throat> um, but no, I went in hoping I'd have a fun time with this movie with good popcorn. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I went in with the exact opposite expectations, which is maybe why one of the reasons why we had um, Mm -hmm. opposite opinions of it. Did you see it again? I did, yeah. And I loved it just as much. I'm curious, Mm -hmm. though. I was reading a bunch of reviews of the movie um, to prepare for Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. uh, podcast. And I'm, I'm wondering what you think the movie is about and I know that seems like a super broad question but when I was reading all of these reviews it was being targeted as or messaged as a movie about loving movies it was a movie about cinema and I didn't get that from the movie at all I did not think it was a movie about loving movies I mean everybody said to me like oh Minna you love movies so much you have to see the Fablemans you'd love it it's about movies and I didn't think that it was. I thought that it, I thought it was a kind of a slice of life movie. I mean, I, I was I was surprised at like how much support he got as a kid and how he kind of went through his life, you know, kind of standing up. Um, what did I think it was about. Um, I, I thought it was really about, you know, love and passion. I thought it was about her. I was surprised that she went back to Seth Rogen. I don't know the character's name. Um, you know, I was surprised at how um, much they discussed their feelings and with the kids and everything. That was a 
that was kind of surprising to me. I thought actually the, the second half of the movie felt a little more real than the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, but what did you think it was about? Like, what did you think it was about? I thought it was about having a calling and what that experience is like, you know? Like, he goes to see this movie and he's like, my calling is doing that. I Mm -hmm. have to do that. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything else. There is nothing Mm -hmm. else for me. And he follows his calling even when it's hard and I think that or people don't understand and Mm -hmm. I thought to me that's what it was about even if you don't you know make movies or you know what if you're like a concert pianist like this movie could be about you too it's about like being drawn to something and being totally engrossed in that passion and and wanting to do whatever you can to make sure that you get to do that for the rest of your life. And I also thought it was about the community of filmmaking, like about not just about how he relates to his family in a interpersonal sense, which obviously is in the movie, but also in a film sense, like when he involves all of his siblings in making the movies and his parents are helping with the equipment and, mm-hmm. you know, saying, yeah, oh, surprising. oh, can yeah, you I make... so much love there. Right. But, you know, I also was very pulled in the direction of the mom did not follow her passion. Mm-hmm. The choices that were made, the baby that came, yeah. whatever, prevented her from fulfilling her dreams. And so it's like that boy wants the approval to go on and fulfill his dreams mm-hmm. too. Do you know, I mean, I, I, I got into... I could connect to that part, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think it's about that, too. Yeah, I, I also... just couldn't get over the phoniness. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, but, like, what I... about it did you think was a phony? I mean, you mentioned one scene, but I thought a lot of the... Like, that one scene that you mentioned, I think that a lot of that comes from it being a child's story and from his point of view and how, and... like, everything was childish until he found out through his passion that it could be dangerous because he finds out that his mom does not love his dad and this person who he thought was a family member Ben who's not a family member but close like one is actually breaking his family up and he he's like oh this thing that I've dedicated my entire life to that I thought was bringing my family closer together is actually tearing it apart and mm-hmm. I thought that's kind of when you had like this mid movie shift from yes, yes, yeah, yeah, childish yeah. to adult, more serious. Mm-hmm. Well, there were things that uh, that I thought I like, I t- I didn't under- I felt like Michelle Williams was in a different movie. Mm-hmm. I I um, and I thought she was like a weird clown between these two men, and I understand. That she danced in between them. Do you, you know what I mean? But like that, that whole scene of her dancing in the lights and you know of the car lights mm-hmm. and everyone stopping and looking. I I didn't know what was going on. Like I literally was just like, okay, wait. I, it made me feel weird and uncomfortable. I thought, are they these three, two men, one boy? What what are they watching? What are they? Is is she slowly breaking down? Is she? I don't. I didn't understand why they. It just seemed grotesque in a way to me. 
I thought that she... So, I thought that her character, and honestly, all of the characters, but since we're speaking about her specifically, um, I didn't think that she was her real self. I thought she was how young Steven Spielberg, or as his character is Sammy Fableman in this movie, was how Sammy saw her, right? Like, that's not who she really is. Like, if this movie had an objective lens and wasn't made by Spielberg, Uh Uh she would Uh be a very different person, right? She's like this person who maybe struggles with mental health. She's really unhappy in her marriage. She found Mm -hmm. the love of her life, but she has these commitments and she's upset about not, you know, being able to be a concert pianist and she has all this creativity. She doesn't have an outlet for it. I think that that an objective version of this movie would paint her very differently, but I think because this movie is not told from an objective lens, it's told from Spielberg's point of view or Sammy's point of view that we see a representation of the characters that's not really who they are. It's how a child sees them, how their child sees them. You know, Nina, it was so interesting and fun to talk to you about because I see when you say this stuff, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I'm so like, um, I was going to say closed minded, but I I don't think I'm closed minded. But but I when I when I first started watching this, I, I was like, everything is telegraphed. Everything is so obvious, so heavy handed. I can't even I can barely breathe. You know, everything seems so fake to me. Um that I can't go beyond that. You know, I'm like, I, you know, I couldn't, I can't right. go beyond it and attach to the things that you're talking about. But there's a moment also, let me just, mm-hmm. like when he sees um, Seth Rogen and his mom, you know, like she's leaning up against him, you know, mm-hmm. when he's shooting at the picnic or at the camp. Like I, his eye is so specific at that point, shooting and everything. Part of me thinks like, okay, this is how picky I'm getting mm-hmm. is of course he's going to see that movement in the corner of the camera so, you know he's filming that so mm-hmm. when he plays it back and he sees it I'm thinking oh he, he would see that you know um but I think well I think okay so you said two things but I think one to your first point about the first part of the movie being fake and that almost being suffocating I think that the point is that it was fake and he you know he worshipped his mom she was like the creative force in his life like saying Mm -hmm. you can do this you need to pursue this passion whereas his dad wasn't like that and he idolized his mom so much like he saw her as this angel being you know dancing in the light like that's who she was to him Um, and to all of them and I think to a certain extent to all of them um, to Ben and uh, Paul Dano's character, um, the the dad, uh, her husband, I think that they all kind of see her as this almost manic pixie dream girl, you know, like we've discussed in other podcasts. Like, she's such, she's so different. She, she brings something okay. new and interesting to everyone's life. Like, she gets a monkey and she's crazy and she's a little quirky, but nobody really sees her for who she really is until... Um, until Sammy catches her being who she really is, you know, cheating. And she says, you really see me. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of a turning point for his view of her. Damn it, Nina, you're good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think, wait, what was the other thing that you were talking about? You were talking about 
her and everything being fake and then we were you were saying something else and what was that i don't remember at that in the frame while he's shooting the, oh right 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 i think that it's all about that that is all about perspective like beforehand he's thinking like oh my uncle and my mom they're s- such good friends yay and then he kind of has this shift in perspective when he's watching back the film so i think it's very it it's also the movie says a lot about the messaging of film and how film can be used to create narratives it's very meta right because he's making a movie that's sharing his narrative and then his Mm -hmm. character in the movie is discovering and telling his own narrative within the movie it's the videos that he takes of his mom and seth rogan's Mm -hmm. character when he catches them um and it's also the ditch day film that he makes um when he graduates senior year and um that that film that he makes is a more pointed i think expression of film messaging and how the director is in control of the story that's being told in that case um and it's kind of very a meta explanation of spielberg saying i'm in control of this narrative too and i'm I'm showing my point of view of what happened in my family and why I love film as much as I do and why I feel so called to it. Um, And I think that that kind of goes back also to the representation of the mom's character because Spielberg's acknowledging this is how I saw it. Maybe not exactly how it was. And I think there's a few nods to that. It's like the meta stuff about films with him making film but it's also like the very end when Spielberg set, or moves the camera himself acknowledging that mm-hmm. he's making the movie mm-hmm. and it's also um, when he says to the bully maybe I'll make a movie about this one day and mm-hmm. I'll put this in it mm-hmm. so I think there were a few nods to the fact that you have to be wary of who the narrator is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's true well, I did love the end of the movie, though. Me too. Um, David Lynch as John Ford. So funny. It is so beautiful, too. Mm-hmm. And boring. You know, I just really... Okay, now I have one thing. Now, you talk your way out of this one, Minna. Okay. Why is Spielberg or Sammy... Why does he have blue eyes when he's young, but when he gets older, they're brown? Great question. I can talk my way out of this one. The one issue I that like I had with too. the movie... The one issue that I had with the movie... The color contacts in this movie, insane. Right. His eyes looked so fake. I don't know why he was wearing colored contacts like that. I thought it looked so silly. I commented on it during the movie. I was whispering, like, why is he wearing colored contacts? His eyes look ridiculous. And I know that's not how this actor looks. So it, it could not be more obvious to me that they had colored his eyes blue. And for what reason? I have no idea. It was not necessary. Yeah, that threw me too. And when I, I when I went when I saw it the second time, I I went back and I looked, you know, to see the kid's eyes so sparkling, blue marbles in the head of that child. Um, and then I looked the kid up on you know IMDb, and yeah, yes. And then I looked at the kid, the Gabriel Labelle, I think the, is the name of the actor who played the lead. Mm-hmm. Dark eyes. Yeah. Yeah, but he was all, he was wearing colored contacts in the beginning of the yeah. movie. It made no sense. I I I cannot ex- I can't explain that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a really good question for him, though, right? I agree. Mm-hmm. If I sat down with Steven Spielberg and I had to ask him one question about this movie, it would be that. So, how do you feel about 
somebody fictionalizing their own life. Ah, I, I usually, I don't usually like it. Because, um, you know, because of the perspective. But, I mean, he's a fantastic filmmaker, so I find it, who else would make the story of his life, you know? It's interesting because I've watched interviews with Seth Rogen, who said mm-hmm. he was very fascinated by Spielberg making this movie and being a part of it. No, I wasn't that nervous when we were making the movie, but now that we're promoting the movie, I'm seeing him a lot without the mask, and I'm like, oh my God, it's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, yeah. I love big fan. Uh, did, you, uh, did you ask him for uh, advice? Because I know you direct as well. And, and Yeah, uh, I, I didn't know how he was going to direct, and I didn't know um, what kind of feedback he would give and, and how that would go. So the first day... I start, we start shooting and we do a take and I'm like, uh, you know, I go back to where he's standing and I'm like gonna look, uh, I'm looking for feedback. Of course. And he is just sobbing uncontrollably. And I thought, oh no, I'm so bad he's crying. <laughs> His whole thing's a disaster. And, and he's gonna fire me right now and he's gonna <laughs> say, I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it was it's such a deeply personal movie that he cried a lot actually when the scenes were happening. You would go back and he would be weeping. And it and it and it felt I never thought it would feel great to make Steven Spielberg cry all the time. Wow. But it did. It felt wonderful. I'd make him cry right now if I could. <laughs> Spielberg is on record as like this is a fictionalized version of his life but whenever he's asked about specific things that happen in the movie he always says Mm -hmm. yeah it happened exactly like that that's exactly what happened so I think it's kind of ends up in this weird place where it's like obviously not a documentary about his movie obviously it is fictionalized but I'm curious about how you feel about a director who, as we've discussed, you know, we went in with expectations about this movie. We have opinions on who he is as a director. How you Mm -hmm. feel about a director who knows that his audience expects something from him telling his own life story. Well, I I guess, why does he want to tell that? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what, what more information, how much more could we know him? as a filmmaker his whole art is out there all the time so I don't know why he'd want to do that I don't know what he'd I don't know because I didn't walk away thinking like oh I have an in-depth understanding of who he is now or his point of view on cinema or yeah really I didn't learn yeah and I didn't learn feel I learned anything more about him really because I did Mm -hmm. I felt like the movie made a very specific point Intentionally, because I think a lot of people, when they hear Steven Spielberg's making a movie about himself, they're like, ah, cool. Now we're going to learn all this stuff about what it's like to collaborate with George Lucas and be famous and, you know, be married mm-hmm. to Crossing Delancey and all these things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he made such a point to not talk about that at all. Mm-hmm. Not mention it at all. Sammy, for all we know could end up working at a gas station for the, I mean we don't know what happens to him we don't know if he gets famous we don't know anything about him so to me what it did expose about Spielberg was how his art how Jaws and Indiana Jones and Close Encounters with a Third Kind like how making those movies telling those stories being an artist Mm -hmm. was not a choice it was just what he had to do 
And Mm -hmm. I always find those kinds of stories about art so interesting because it just shows how personal art is for people. And I know that's not a new story. I know that's not a new idea. I know he didn't invent anything or reveal something that no one had ever heard of before, but I still I still enjoy it, especially when it's somebody that I look up to as a filmmaker and somebody who I respect as a filmmaker when they tell a story about how they got started or how they were inspired and about how personal their art is to them I just Mm -hmm. found that to be such a touching story I mean it could have been a movie about how he was so successful and famous like some of these other biopics which I don't know if I would call this a biopic I guess it is but I think by separating it from his actual self and saying it's the fable men's which interestingly enough Spielberg his last name Spiel means fable Spiel means fable So Fable is in his last name already. He called them the Fable (laughs) Men's, kind of nodding to the fact that it's a fictionalized version of his life, but still with the the through line of it's pretty much real, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking just the way that that the character Sammy was presented, um, I... I didn't think for a moment when I left, if I can separate myself from Spielberg making that movie, mm-hmm. um, I had no doubt that he would become successful just because he had the support of his family. His mother was like, you've got to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how he met, the, uh, um, I don't know how he ended up in the office of the guy that introduced him to John Ford. Um, but I just figured, look, that, that kid is like eight years old and he's in the studio already. He's going to be fine. <laughs> Well, you know then, what it means? then maybe that's also part of what Spielberg is trying to communicate. Like, not only that he felt a calling and that this is what he had to do, but also that he was fortunate enough to have the support of his family and yeah. to be around people who allowed him to pursue his passions and mm-hmm. how that's part of what made him successful is that he was allowed support from his family where other people don't have that and that's part of what mm-hmm. makes him a spectacular storyteller is that he was allowed yeah. to be a spectacular storyteller from a young age yeah yeah that i thought was pretty sweet you know just mm-hmm. getting that support and, and that's why i thought so it's not really about his struggle as a filmmaker it was about his you know s- s- struggle growing up you know mm-hmm. in the family i felt like he wanted to tell that story yeah Definitely. So how do you feel about, I mean, I think that Steven Spielberg is, and we can talk about this if you disagree, but kind of the um, the father of the blockbuster. Oh, for sure. Um, Absolutely. So how do you feel about this dip into, I don't want to say an indie film, but definitely a smaller film, not a blockbuster, something I'm sure he knew wasn't going to be as successful as his other films. Um, I'm wondering how you feel about that, especially in this age where, like, there really aren't that many blockbusters anymore. Yeah, they're all, um, you know, studio, pre-awareness, you know, superhero. Um, uh, So what was your question, then? How do I feel about... Well, he's of an age... I have a feeling that... It's just an observation I've made Mm -hmm. working in Hollywood, is that a director has a certain thing to say, and they're going to say it in about 
five or five movies. Mm-hmm. And then they, then she's just not working for them anymore. Some directors go on and on and are magnificent, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you see um, Spielberg, he's of an age and he, he's like the god of Hollywood. No one, he, he can do whatever he wants. So he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need a blockbuster. I think he's just drawn to the things that he has to do. Mm-hmm. I have to make this movie. You know, um, yeah. otherwise, I I don't know. I don't know what else he he needs, you know, mm-hmm. to prove. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like a one for you, one for me thing, like he did West Side Story, which was not a blockbuster, but kind of had that feel to it. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, all right, now, I'm, now I did that. You're welcome. And now I'm going to do mm-hmm. this int- intimate portrayal of my childhood. And what that mm-hmm. was like for me. Yeah. I just wish he hadn't made it so boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I don't think that you would agree with this at all. However, I'm going to say something crazy. Oh. Which is, I think that this is Spielberg's best movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm wondering what you think his best movie is. Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Um, I love Close um, Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. I love Jaws. I'm trying to think of all of his movies, and I did love Schindler's List. Um, E.T. I like that as much as others. Let me. Should I look up all of his stuff? I know I'm appearing to be quite ignorant here. <laughs> you can. Uh, what? Let me see. I mean, he was doing such, well, I mean, interesting stuff. The stuff he was doing in the beginning was, um, like, ripped right off the cover of National Enquirer, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons he was so successful. Wow, he has done so, so much stuff. Oh, my God. He's directed that's 60 incredible. movies. Incredible. I just feel like all of his movies are so big. Like, all of these movies that we're talking about are, like, huge movies. And this one was so small. And Mm -hmm. I I liked that he showed that he could do a big movie. He's mastered it. But he also now is experimenting with making tiny movies about really about nothing. I mean, we've been talking about what it's about. But, like, if you just watch it and you're like, what was it about? It's like, it's about a kid. <laughs> Grown up. I mean, he just really I I appreciated that about it and I thought that it was mm-hmm. so well done and so honest. Um that I was like, wow, Spielberg can really do anything. Yeah. Uh, he he certainly can do anything. I just wish he didn't make boring movies. So is your problem <laughs> that you wish he didn't write it? That he what? That he wrote it? Is your problem that he wrote it? No, it's his, um, I guess, kind of his inability to just, like, let actors be actors. Mm. Everything is so choreographed and orchestrated and directed and telegraphed. You know, always know what's coming, you know? And, and it may, it's, I'm just like, just just allow. You don't have to manipulate all this. Mm. It, it makes me crazy. So maybe his um, directorial style for you didn't translate onto a smaller movie. Yeah, that could be. Yes, he was yes. directing too big. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, um, I, I prefer his other movie. 
I feel like for me, it's not a classic, but I do think that in terms of Spielberg movies, it's a classic because regardless of whether you like it or not, I think it shows some range, some some range in what he can do as a director. Um, And I I think your criticism of his directing being too big for such an intimate story is a really interesting criticism. I I had never really thought about that before because I just, I mean, it goes back to expectations, right? Like I go in with this certain expectation of what I expect a Spielberg movie is going to look like and feel like. And I got that from it. So maybe I didn't go in with a small enough expectation. So that's definitely something to think about if I watch it a third time, which I probably will. And maybe I'll, I'll take a closer look at the directing style versus the mood of the film you know when you say classic I, I your description of classic is slightly different than mine My, mm-hmm. mine is more about the idea that this movie was so unique or, or it um, captured a time period mm-hmm. so perfectly that it was so profound how it presented you know an idea to us that whenever you come back you know decade after decade it will always speak to you it will always feel true and real Mm -hmm. to me that's a classic but i could be you know wrong no i just think it's different i mean i was just thinking i was personally about this movie thinking you know if an alien came if et came back to (laughs) the earth and was like who is this is steven spielberg guy And I was like, oh, let me give you five movies of his that you should watch. The Fablemans would be one of them. Yeah, okay, I'm with you on that. Only because it's his point of view about him as a child. Exactly. Because you're going to be profoundly entertained. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I keep keep going back to that point Mm -hmm. relentlessly. Um, So, yeah. I didn't think about the aliens. I didn't think about that. So... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I don't. I'm. Hmm. I when I watched it again, I was like, oh, "Come on, I want to really like it. I want to like something." I mean, there was a moment when she says to the boy, "You really see me." I was touched by that. Mm-hmm. Um. I, yeah, I was touched by Seth Rogen giving him the uh, the camera. Yeah, I thought Seth Rogen was really good in this movie. Hmm. I thought Seth Rogen oh, was too. really good. I it wasn't a huge Seth Rogen role, but I thought he did a good job. Me too. Very subtle, and and he felt real to me. Mm-hmm. She was the only one who made me feel like, what the fuck is going on here? Like Paul Dano, who I loved, I liked all these actors separately. Mm-hmm. Um, he just seemed like an idiot to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was what his son thought of him. That's not how he really is. It's what his kid thought he was, right? Like, to him, to and even Spielberg has said this, that he did not know that his mom is the one who broke up the marriage. He thought it was his dad's fault. His dad kept that a secret from them for years. Years and years and no, years. Why is that? Why? Because he didn't want his, the kids to think poorly of the mom. So he took the fall for it. But wow. I, it's like that was the kid's perspective was that his dad was like this idiot meanie who was destroying their family and his mom was like this angelic being who always supported him and was like this perfect 
you know idol in his life and then as the movie goes on he sorts he comes to realize that those maybe are not true that's not really how they are and his perspective mm-hmm. starts to shift mm-hmm. so yeah 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 boy i wish i had seen it the way you see it that would have been a great been great um <laughs> all right that's all i got for you that's all i got too Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Movies That Made Her, But Not Me. Thank you to Antonio Ortiz for composing our theme and all other music on this podcast. Be sure to follow us at Movies Made Her on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on episode releases, the movies we'll be covering, and all things podcast related.